everyone. We're here with Will Rush on the Behind Company Lines podcast. He is the CEO and founder of Stack. It is a legal trading platform for ages 13 plus. We'll dive into what that means, especially for long term and, and overall in society, because I think I have a lot of questions for Will. But Will, thank you for coming on the show. Just to dive right in, what were you doing before you started Stack? Yeah, hey, thanks for having me, Julian. Excited to be here and uh, and talk more about the jury. Before I started Stack, I've worked in the financial service industry for a long time. So I worked with companies like Robinhood and Charles Schwab and E-Trade and TD Ameritrade, a lot of stock mm-hmm. and like banking platforms. And then more recently, I worked with a company actually based out of up here in Seattle mm-hmm. on Copper. And Copper was one of the first banks that was made specifically mm-hmm. for teenagers. And Copper's mission was to have high school kids graduate yeah. with credit score and learn how to save and do yeah. a lot of really cool financial literacy things. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, in regards to what you were working on with the, the other company, the former, the financial institution, what was your capacity there? What were you working on? Yeah. So I, so at Copper, I led mm-hmm. the teen investing piece of the product. So it was like, how do you get a, a yeah. stock, <laughs> which is always a, a fun problem to, to be a part of. And then before that, I worked with companies like in a financial modeling yeah. capacity. It's like doing a lot of valuation work and, and stuff like that. So a little bit more of a yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love, I love the idea of investing. My, my brothers just graduated high school and are now in college. And I was talking to my mom about just ways that they can you know, build credit and things like that. And I was like, you got to get them a credit card, start using it for yourself. Don't let them touch it. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a, such a benefit to coming into, you know, that next phase of life with, you know, credit opportunity. We'd love to like dive into a little bit more about how you, you view investing for teens in particular and how you get them excited about something like that. Yeah. I mean, the impetus for Stack, we, we, we basically mm-hmm. started from one problem statement, right? We said, there is more than the majority of U.S. citizens that have no direct relationship to investing at all, right? And so that can be anybody from somebody who has a 401k plan that, (laughs) you know, don't kind of pass it and exist with and they they retire one day and they're like, oh, this is great. I I parked somewhere. All the way to somebody that like has a really, really bad relationship with finance. And those can be people that have Mm -hmm. bad credit scores or, you know, don't understand the stock market or think that it's too complicated. And the thesis was, how do we move that population to become Mm -hmm. investors? And how do we do it in a way that's going to make a long-term impact? And of course, finance is is a cruise (laughs) ship. You can only move it one degree at a time. The way that we decided to dive in, and of course, where my experience was, was really getting more young people involved. And kids are on TikTok creating the majority of content that we see they're getting jobs and side hustles yeah. earlier than they ever have because of technology. And they're hacking their yeah. way into crypto and many other places on the internet. There is a huge opportunity, I think, for someone to educate someone to create a safe and secure place for mm-hmm. teens to exist and really do it and, and understand how they're different yeah. as a user base than, you know, myself as a, you know, 30 something that thinks obviously very differently. Yeah. Than what, what would you say like is the importance of getting teenagers in either, you know, crypto trading, which what you're doing with stack or just trading in general or stocks in general investment? Yeah. I mean, 
starting early, we do a lot of just like education about how starting early yeah. can be a massive difference. I mean, one stat I'll throw out there is if you invest at the age of 15 compared to investing at the age mm. of 25, you have a three times higher amount of money just by the time you retire. And so it just, it, it shows like, you know, you can basically start where most people do out of college when you yeah. have a job and you have an income and, you know, you're parking your money somewhere. But starting in high school, when you're forming a lot mm. more habits, we think from a thesis perspective, is going to make mm. a huge difference. And then the second piece of starting early is really all about tax advantages that you can get. So we, we open mm. UTMA accounts for all these teenagers. And so that allows them to earn tax-free up to $2,300 a year is the IRS exclusion. And so, you know, most kids probably are, are sure. earning more than that anyway. But it's a cool way to save them some money and, and really kind of create a safe place for them yeah, to make yeah. mistakes or, you know, invest in something that they don't understand and, and hopefully be more educated about it by the time they do yeah, that job. I love, I love what you said there about creating a safe space for creating and, and having mistakes. Like, I, I feel that experience is such a great teacher. And it kind of leads me into to my next question of, you know, outside of the obvious financial benefits that comes with, you know, starting early in investment and stocks, what are some other benefits that either you've seen or that you kind of predict for, you know, this maybe cohort or group of people that's gaining, I'm sure, starting early, you know, in terms of like society, cultural and, and so on? Yeah. So we did a study actually of our teen yeah. parent group. And so they're like, Right around yeah. like mid forties is the average age, which means that they were in the nineties, really early adopters yeah, of right. the internet. And what we asked them was, what age did you first mm-hmm. access the internet? The ones that accessed the internet during that early adoption phase before they were mm-hmm. 18 years old had a 16 times higher net worth by the time higher. they were in their Holy. now. That's what, that's what, how big was the, uh, yeah, yeah. How crazy, big right? Cool. Just out of curiosity. The sample pool was, I think, so we're trying to get it above 500. I think we've uh, done it with 370. Wow. Wow. So, so statistically significant for sure. Wow. So so in terms of just like giving teenagers access, how does that work? Because, you know, I'm assuming most things, well, actually most things you can't have access until you're 18, right? How do you go about giving teenagers access to, you know, trading in stocks and things like that? It sounds like with, with Stack, you focus more on crypto, but with Copper, it was uh, stock and, and investment in that capacity. Yeah, so the legal way to give any under 18-year-old access to a financial product is through this UTMA account. And that's the Uniforce, the Uniform Tra- Transfer to Minors Act. And UTMA accounts, I mean, they've been around forever. How they've been used and how they were used, certainly when I was in high school, was like your parents could set aside a right. cool fund yeah. or something for you. And when you reach the age of majority, it transfers into your name. And and what people have started to ask for the last few years for the first time was, what if we could actually give yeah. teens access and education and have them learn hands-on with real money? And so that's really what Copper and a couple other companies, Step and Greenlight and a lot of other companies in the space have done. And we were really the first ones to say, okay, they've done an amazing job of adding Mm-hmm. access for teenagers to banking and stock products, but no one is really yeah. tackled Web3 yeah. and crypto. And this is happening at the same time when kids are using their Instagram as their yeah. financial yeah. advisor, their TikTok as their advisor, you know? And so it just felt like the place. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, there's obviously some great information, uh, you know, on social media, 
But there's also the Kim Kardashian <laughs> meme coin that, you know, you get sold and, and goes nowhere and you lose all your money, right? And so what if we could help sort of create a safer and, and better environment for this yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the education component. What, what, where are you investing in the education? Is it simply, you know, how to and, and what is the process and mechanism? Or is it more more detailed on like, these are the mechanisms of trading and stocks and Web3? I always feel like for me, just before you answer the question, you know, giving someone who's younger actually as much information as possible for them to kind of absorb and then, you know, figure out through experience is, at least for me, was, was the best way f- for learning and progressing quickly. How do you tackle educating your user group with Stack? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, the, the really high level takeaways that we've learned yeah. about teenagers and how they learn is... Number one, unsurprisingly, rewarding that yeah. in real <laughs> dollars to educate themselves it even, makes a yeah. difference, right? I mean, so I, the the first form of our app, we we put out honestly like very underwhelming <laughs> educational content, and we said let's literally just pay these kids to yeah, take yeah. these questions, basically, so, right? And what we learned was because especially, you know, as kids now, they're so incentive-based, they're so reward-based. We had over 70% of our users that were actually engaging with this, like, in my opinion, very overwhelming yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> content, right? I mean, we knew we could do better. We knew that we could make it more engaging. And we were really just testing whether right. this reward behavior worked. So that was step one was like, okay, this reward behavior works. And there's plenty of other companies that have sort of done mm-hmm. some level of this. But number two, how do you create educational content that actually interfaces with teen users more natively? And so that was making it look a little bit more like social media content, right? Really bite-sized information, something that they could swipe their way through and just get one really quick lesson maybe once a day. And so doing a little bit of that mixed with each other, we basically, we do educational reels, almost like Instagram reels that teach you one concept. And then we have, a very, very short quiz at the end. That's like three questions. And you can earn real free crypto every handle quiz that you take. And if you take a quiz every single day on our app, you actually get mm-hmm. the app for free. Wow. Wow. So so typically it's, I mean, so many things there with the incentive base and in the, in the, with <laughs> creating kind of a social media user experience. How has that user experience been successful? I'm assuming it's been extremely successful. And, and tell me a little bit more about the traction that you're gaining now that you, you know, you, you're, you're kind of, um, it sounds like you've created a really strong, solid product. You've gone through a lot of adaptation and iteration, and now it's, you know, now it's time for growing and I'm sure adding new products. What kind of traction are you, are you facing now? Yeah, so we actually, we we stayed in private beta for a significant amount of time. And that was really because, um, you know, a lot of teen mm-hmm. products, they're very cyclical, mm-hmm. probably unsurprisingly. They follow a school yeah. <laughs> school calendar. And so we sort of knew we had like this go back to school, beta, yeah, which is right. coming up right now, right? And we said to ourselves, if we can spend some time just incubating mm-hmm. what kids care about, how to get them to engage in this sort of hybrid environment where one, they can just trade right. crypto whenever they want, right? They have their parents co-sign the account. Their parent is also attached and the parent can decide if they want to approve mm-hmm. certain things or if they want to give their kid the keys. And then there's this educational platform that ties into it all and says, hey, you know, you basically are going to pay this monthly fee for trading, there's no volume costs, there's no deposit costs, there's no other fees. And that fee is turns into a free platform the more yeah. you educate yourself. 
And so it literally incentivizes education. And that that's, I mean, it's taken a, a while just to even get to that level of our platform. I think we still have so much to learn about how we educate users more effectively. I really want to do yeah. design learning, you know, where you can tell someone what Bitcoin is the second before yeah, 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 yeah. it, you know? So I think there's some to-dos there, but, you know, we get smarter every day. And and just to give you some traction numbers, we so we had a wait list of about 6,000 users, and then we had a subgroup of that, that 6,000 that are using mm-hmm. the app right now and, you know, teaching us a lot about mm-hmm. where there is engagement and, and where we can get better. And then, of course, parents too, you know, parents testing themselves with those teen accounts is, is a whole other, you know, yeah. part of our battle. And then we'll open up probably like late September. Of this that's too. Wow, that, that's incredible. And, and so, so just, just to clarify a little bit for the platform experience, is it that they have to educate first and then they can trade? And then also, is there always an approval process for a parent? Are they always involved? What's the, what's the typical like user experience if I'm, you know, a teen signing up for this platform or convincing my parents over dinner saying, hey, I swear I can, you know, I, I, I want to trade in crypto. I, I, I think I know more than the average person. <laughs> you know, get me on this platform and then, you know, I'll make all this money. Yeah, it's all up to the dean pair relationship. So parents, you know, obviously could access all the same mm-hmm. uh, parts of the platform as the teen themselves. Parents can say, I want to approve everything. I want to approve nothing. Or I want to approve things that are over $100 or $1,000 or whatever it is. And so they set, they set the, uh, the stakes. Parents have to do what's called know your customer. Mm-hmm. And that's a legal requirement of any United mm-hmm. States financial product. So they have to put in their address and their birthday and their social security number, all those things. And then once they've done that, the teen can, let's say the parent sets up auto approval, meaning, you know, they, they let their teen do anything. Their teen can go trade, they can do whatever they want. They don't have to take the education part of our platform. Again, the reward-based education, we've seen 70% of our user base use it. So I think, you know, just incentivizing that and attaching it yeah. to our revenue model has been a really cool yeah. learning early on on how we can actually get kids to educate themselves and say to a parent, hey, you, sure, you can open a Coinbase account for your kid. A, their account often gets frozen yeah. because they realize <laughs> that it's a teen, you know, sort of half right. parent's information. And B, it's 0% educational, right? And there's just them, you know, investing in what they see on their phone. Or you can come to us and you can say, hey, I'd like a, a level of education that, you know, I'm basically paying a subscription fee a month to give my teen access. But yeah. also, to- what, what, are, what do you see like the typical uses or I, I guess for me, you know, I, I, background wise, you know, I worked at, from a young age at 14, you know, getting approval from the school and everything. That's kind of how I, you know, first initially was introduced to like income and, and earning, you know, I didn't have a, a what do they call it? An allowance. There it is. That's not something I was super familiar with. But what what do you see in terms of how these teenagers are funding their accounts? Is it, you know, the hustles that they're working? Is it their parents giving them an allotted amount of money and are they growing it? You know, what do you see, you know, in terms of the funding of the accounts? What's that experience look like? Yeah, I mean, so you definitely can have a peer a lot of certain amount of money every month as part of your allowance. You also can attach a teen bank account, too, right? So you can completely self-fund. As a teenager, you can say, I had a summer job that, you know, I earned X amount of money. I want to put part of it in Bitcoin, you know? And so that's that's certainly something that we enable. How you fund is, is to us, certainly less important. We do teach a fair amount of periodic savings on the platform. And so that means agnostic to the amount of money that you're putting in, just getting in the habit yeah. of putting something 
is something that we, you know, mm -hmm. think that you should be doing. And the earlier on, the yeah. probably the better. But yeah, every team is different. We also do financial literacy workshops. That's our acquisition okay. channel for all of these teens. And so we actually show up to high schools, you know, most often like investing mm -hmm. in their finance clubs. And we put on a financial literacy workshop and we teach, you know, I loved your story about like learning different yeah. things at age 14. A lot of these kids, you know, are taught their whole lives go eat ramen noodles, get a good job and save your money, which is absolutely yeah. a <laughs> lesson to learn early on. What you should be learning is, is to have multiple income streams, is to park mm -hmm. your money in certain places, to go to that extra layer of inertia to be, to make your money, make right. more money for you. And so we do a lot of yeah, no, I love how, how you kind of, you know, the perspective shift because I was told the same thing, save my money, put it into this thing that I'm not really in control of growing. And for me, I, there's, oh, and I think a lot of the <laughs> teenagers, they just have like a natural instinctual hesitation to that because it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, especially with, you know, life. I feel like when, when you attack it and, and, you know, you go through the trial error process, it bears a lot of fruit, whether it's opportunity, relationships or what have you. So yeah, really, really excited about the, the perspective shift and how do you think that's going to change like how companies grow? Because I, I feel like a lot of companies are pairing this educational component for their customer base and, and user base along with the products that they use. And not only as an acquisition funnel, but as a way to, you know, I, I guess almost in a way upskill their user. How do you think that is, do you think that's going to change? And are we going to go through a huge shift in companies doing that primarily? Or is it more of a long road in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a massive opportunity mm -hmm. for the private sector mm -hmm. to educate. Yeah. Curriculum, as we all know, moves no. <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and so, you know, there there's almost a burden to bear, right, of the world changes so much mm -hmm. every day that education mm -hmm. needs to mm -hmm. change with it, right? And we need to continue to educate users in an increasingly digitized world how all of these different things are functioning mm -hmm. and how they work. And and giving them technology in their own hands to to try things, yeah. make mistakes, and do all of that is a, of course incredibly important. I think the really good ones that you'll see that pair education into their app follow the money. The ones that are actually putting their dollar down and saying either I'll pay a user mm -hmm. to educate themselves, um, I'll give things to a user for free for educating themselves. People companies give yeah. a lot of things for free or money away in a lot of different instances. Sometimes it's to share on your social media. Sometimes it's to right. refer friends. Sometimes it's to do a lot of different things, right? But educating yeah. is rarely one of them. I think the really good ones are starting to build education yeah. into their revenue model to really double down on, on being. Yeah, educated. yeah, no, that's, that's, that's huge. Oh, you know, the company I run right now, we're focusing on, on this other part of our business where we're building more of a community around education, especially within you know, engineering and Web3 and just kind of fostering a community that can like self-sustain itself with, with active learning, especially because, yeah, you're right. Education moves so slow. I hate rediscovering things about history that I thought were one way and then are another on TikTok. And I'm just like, ah, I've got the clown filter on. But yeah, it, it, it's an interesting experience now with education. Do you think do you think the private sector is ultimately going to disrupt education into a way that it advances it more quickly? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I actually yeah. think that it's already happening in some ways. I mean, you could argue that that 
documentaries on Netflix that, you know, shorts, educational yeah. videos on TikTok, yeah. you know, wherever you look, they're doing just as much to educate yeah. a teenager as school curriculum mm-hmm. is, to be honest, you know, and, and how much of it is, is, are things that you take with you for the rest of your life. I mean, you know, I learned some financial yeah. facts uh, on TikTok that yeah. I remember forever. And, you know, I don't remember what the, you know, or some of the like fifth grade history yeah. lessons were, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I think there's, there's some practicality to, to what the world around you is educated. Yeah. Through. Yeah. And just curious, and maybe this falls into the next question, but one, you know, I, I guess what, where's the control in this information? Because I know a lot of people have at least myself, just being skeptical of where information is coming from and the references and the studies that go behind certain pieces of information, where does the responsibility lie in terms of the control of that information and the validation that that is absolutely correct? You know, with with math, it's a little bit more cut cut and dry, but with other bits of information, I think it could be a little bit, you know, gray within the gray area, but where, where is the control within the quality of that information? I think that it all comes down. I mean, you mentioned in the, in the beginning yeah. about experiential learning. I think experiential mm-hmm. learning is everything, right? I mean, man, what if the curric- curriculum was thrown out the window and you took an 11th grader and yeah, let's start yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> how how yeah. educational would that be, right? Because they would actually go through the block and right. tackling of what that. And so I think when it comes to investing in what we're teaching, you know, these financial lessons, what's so great about it is we could be an education only platform. Yeah. yeah. Nobody don't really care. You have to be able to go take the educate, the bite-sized education that we're giving you yeah. and go apply it, right? Go, go learn what the technology behind the Bitcoin yeah. blockchain is yeah. and then go use it. You know, I, I think that's really where education needs to go is, is, is teaching small things that are reinforced through yeah. the actual. Yeah. I see. I agree. What do you, what are some of the biggest risks that Stack faces um, today? <laughs> Getting parents to, to, to feel like, you know, they can trust us, I think is number one, to be honest. I, you know, I mean, they see teen crypto on our website or, you know, at yeah. top or whatever it is. And I think parent, we, we still have a lot to do with parents of mm-hmm. saying, hey, we're the good guys. We've, you know, turned off certain product features like, you know, one that we did was uh, crypto on and off ramps where 98% of all crypto fraud is. We turned that off as a feature because we said the teens really need to send crypto to external wallets. Off. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. And that's where, you know, the immutable ledger is experiencing right, all right. of its fraud. And so making like those top level decisions just to make our platform more secure and safe for teenagers. You know, we have to now go educate sure. yeah. that we made them, you know, and, and that we are the good guys and that we're there to be the first platform where their kid, yeah. you know, experiences crypto and then they can go graduate to Coinbase or right. Robinhood or whatever. But, you know, starting here is is much safer and better than, you know, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, with, with the huge, you know, during COVID, especially a lot of people got onto these pro- platforms and we saw just so many different hosts of, new, I don't want to say issues, but just just new overall scenarios that I think the legacy of trading and investment wasn't ready for. And so I love that you're making those high level decisions to create an environment where it's like you, you kind of have the, the bumpers up, you know, if, if you were bullying, you kind of have the bumpers up, but in a way that you're still moving forward 
and of learning and progressing, which, you know, I think is, is incredible. What's the long-term vision for Stack? If we do everything that we are meant to do, I think that we will create a huge generation of investors that understand the latest technology being the blockchain. It's different use cases being crypto, NFTs, you know, so many things out there. And that we're probably, even if it's just, again, one degree at a time steering the cruise, we're slowly making a few curious teenagers that might have never approached yeah. the blockchain or crypto without us, mm -hmm. letting them approach it in a really easy, simple fashion. And who knows, maybe they end up working yeah. for a Web3 company. Maybe they end up building yeah. a future for Web3 and its ecosystem. I mean, how many cool stories could you have created in the 90s if you had given a bunch of teenagers yeah. education yeah. on the internet? Yeah. Right? It would have sped up progress. Um, so it just, it, you know, it, I think there's so many. Yeah, so, so. yeah. Oh, man, it's, it, you, you have the potential to give mm -hmm. amazing story. And so that's, that's what we're passionate about. I mean, if stack fails, if we never make money, if we never have an exit, mm -hmm. if we never do any of those things, what we will always go to sleep, you know, with a, with a full heart is we've shown up yeah. to over a hundred high schools and given that yeah. financial literacy workshop. Yeah. And that yeah. there's, there's so much, I, I don't want to say regret, but there was, there's so much, you know, yearning for me to have learned that, you know, that I'm learning that I have learned early in my twenties that I'm like, Man, if, if I was only set with the information just like prior and like use that time I had because you're stuck at school, you like you might as well learn. And, and those who care to be dedicated students will invest time or at least, you know, will show up and learn that information. Giving them the opportunity to do so, I think, is just leads to just compound positive effects just over and over again. And so, yeah, man, I, I love what you're doing. And, and a bonus question I like to ask all my guests is what books or people have influenced you the most? Oh, man. Well, I'm reading The Zillion uh, Dollar Coach right now, which is an amazing book. So I highly suggest that one. You know, I think like the classics that that everybody, well, if you're in your 20s, I'll plug mm -hmm. this book because I think it, this is probably the book that changed my life the most. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called The Defining Decade. And it's written by Meg Jay, who's a psychologist. She only sees people in their 20s. And it's a lot about just just mm -hmm. having different experiences, collecting data, trying new mm -hmm. things, trying new jobs. Without, I think, kind of really living and breathing yeah. thesis of this book, I don't think I ever would become a founder. I don't think I ever would have started my own company. And so it really just, I think, opens up the the truth yeah. about who you are as a person and and how you can test the world for this. I love it, man. I love it. Well, I definitely, I love asking that question because it gives me homework to do. And so I, I add just to my reading list and and I can put <laughs> information. So I appreciate that answer. Before we, before we end the conversation here, where can we find you? Where can we support Stack? You know, channels, get, get your plugs in now. <laughs> I love it. So our website is trystack, T-R-Y-S-T-A-C-K dot I-O. So you can check us out there. You'll see probably two things I'll, I'll throw out there. One is you can get mm -hmm. access to our beta directly from our website. And then number two is you can actually, if, if you're a parent of a teen or someone who knows a teen or a teen themselves, you can set up for our ambassador program and that's the way to get us to visit your high school and put on a really cool financial literacy workshop. And then we also give you some rewards in the app itself for becoming an ambassador. And so that's a cool place. And then feel free to check out our Instagram and, and TikToks. We're just uh, at try stack. 
Cool, man. Well, thank you so much, Lou. I really appreciate the conversation and joining the show. Yeah, I hope to see you see you out there and, and uh, I hope to see the, the app grow. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. It was a pleasure.